0: Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast with your host, Scott McMahon. Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, filmmaking freedom for the independent. This episode is sponsored by the book How to Make and Sell Your Film Online and Survive the Hollywood Implosion while doing it. It's available in paperback, as a Kindle e-book, as well as an audiobook. In fact, you can get the audiobook for free when you go to survivetheimplosion.com and sign up with Audible for the first 30 days. Again, that's at survivetheimplosion.com. In today's episode, I interview the COO, the chief operating officer over at dotstudiopro.com. Her name is Phoenix Gonzalez, and I was introduced to her by Jenna Edwards, and if you remember Jenna, she was in episode 114 of the Film Trooper podcast. And interesting enough, uh, total randomness. But in the same week, I also run this uh, Facebook group. You might be part of it. It's called Indie Film Marketing for Self Distribution. And one of the uh, members of that Facebook group, John Fallon, is a fellow podcaster himself, and he runs the podcast The Indie Film NYC for New York City podcast. And in his episode number ten, he interviewed Selena Pascaladis, the CFO, the Chief Financial officer, I believe, over at Dot Studio Pro. And so um, he shared that with us on the Facebook group, the Indie Film Marketing for Self-Distribution. And he was asking my opinion, have you heard about this group? They also have this contest going on. And so I took some time to like listen to the episode and do some more research, but I still didn't quite understand what service or benefit that Dot Studio Pro offered. So I was able to contact and have um phoenix gonzalez again the COO of dot studio pro on this show on this episode and i you'll hear in the episode i catch her when she's in transit she's a passenger in the car but they're running to do uh, some more work on the competition that they're in the middle of, of for my spotlight tv and you'll hear more about what that is in this episode because this is about filmmaking freedom for the independent and the idea is that any one of us can make content and put it up online and use online marketing tactics and strategies to help sell our product i wanted to see where dot studio pro fit in and see if this couldn't be something that you could look down the line as a a good partner in terms of your whole business plan i have not used them i was just this is completely expo- exploring what they do and kind of figure out how does it fit into um, the whole the structure of things as we as we push forward and maybe not working with a company like Netflix or Amazon or and things like that or not having a formal distribution company like where does this all fit in? So I hope you get a lot of value out of it and maybe take some time to explore what Dot Studio Pro is doing and what they're about to do and and keep an eye on them because they may be a player that uh, could be a major factor in how you're designing your distribution and marketing plans moving forward. So without further ado, here's my guest, Phoenix Gonzalez, here on the Film Trooper Podcast.
1: Yeah, so first let me just kind of give you a little backstory, and thank you for having us on today. So Doc Studio Pro was founded by an editor who owned his own production co- post-production company. Uh, we also ended up owning a production company, and then a producer who was producing low-budget indie features out of Canada. So we, as independents ourselves saw the need for digital distribution because we got involved in YouTube competitions and, you know, we got involved in all these different, you know, different types of competitions where we just quickly realized that independent filmmakers who had, um, you know, premium content and were investing in premium content had no ability to truly monetize that content. So that's why we built the platform. Because as indies ourselves, we felt like we needed the, the ability to be able to take control of our IP and monetize our content ourselves. So, Doc Studio Pro was founded for independent filmmakers to start. But, as any business getting started, we had to keep our doors open, um, so we started as a service company. So we ended up servicing enterprise customers on the broadcast side out of Canada, actually. And in learning from broadcasters in, like, 2009 and 10, we were able to really identify what, based on the tools we thought we would need, what the tools they needed, We kind of it was a marriage between, like, broadcasters and filmmakers, understanding what the evolution of, you know, monetization online was going to be. And then in 2013, after, like, two and a half years of, you know, being able to, you know, like, really finesse the technology, we... Ended up getting an investor who came in and said, I really love what you guys are doing. You're empowering the independents, and you're also servicing, you know, that middle tier of enterprise customers. Let's give you the money to be able to rebuild the platform so that anyone can sign up for it. So we closed our doors at the end of 2013 and became a startup. So first we were a service company as filmmakers learning about technology, and then we decided, okay, we're going to build this for our peers. So um, in late 2014, we launched the beta. And uh, we focused primarily from 2014 through – or end of 2014 through all of 2015 on filmmakers because that was our true passion to start. So we worked with a ton of independent filmmakers getting their project launched and being able to, you know, really learn from the data and learn how they were marketing themselves and how we were using the social tools that our platform provided, how, you know, how a filmmaker could take command of technology and their IP – and really own their property and still be able to go out and distribute to other places. And then from there, in 2016, we went out and started working with enterprise customers because we also identified that enterprise customers who have eyeballs and large audiences not only need our technology to deliver to their customers, but they also need good content. So we became a marketplace where filmmakers can unite with networks that are using our technology and in platform filmmakers can do syndication deals and they can get their content in front of a larger audience beyond the work they're doing on
0: their own. I Does that see. Make sense? I think so. So, if um, from a standpoint of like a, a independent filmmaker, they have one piece of content, maybe they have a web series, maybe they have a, a feature film, maybe they have a short or a couple shorts. Um, they would sign up with Studio Pro. Um, and it looks like on this on the site you, there's certain devices that uh that you work in conjunction with Apple TV, Roku, mobile, live, WordPress, and Facebook. Um the 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 concept here is the, the the teaching that a lot of the that's been given down to a lot of independent filmmakers is that, okay, do you get, you know, do you work a distribution deal? Like if you get a work with a distributor and that distributor says to this independent filmmaker, all right, well, you know, we're not going to put it into theaters, but we'll put it on to, um, you know, iTunes. We'll put it on to Amazon. We'll put it on to um, Google Play. Um, there's that fine line between, like, that's what the distributor says. But then there's the concept uh, or there's the understanding there's also all these aggregation companies that an independent yeah. film com- filmmaker or producer can pay a flat fee, a service fee, to have all their um, – you know content put up on those or submitted to uh those particular platforms now where does dot studio pro come in is it more or less like do you does dot, dot studio pro does it become an aggregator or is it only just like a technical interface that allows you a, 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 a independent producer to see all their stats and their their information um like it's like a hub, like a, an interface hub that goes out to all the different platforms they might be wanting to put onto, but they would still have to um, individually submit or work with an aggregator to get onto those particular platforms.
1: Right. So let me kind of walk you through the life of a filmmaker on our platform. And maybe if I give you a, a use case like or a case study, maybe that'll help filmmakers understand. So Dot Studio Pro is your battleship for you to be able to, I call it battleship. I call it your film battleship. It's your dashboard to be able to deliver your content direct to your consumer. But we truly believe as filmmakers who have built this platform, your content needs to be everywhere. So you still need to work with distributors if you want to work with distributors. You still have to work with aggregators. So let me give you kind of like, let me give you a couple ideas. So we have a filmmaker who came to the platform, He was releasing it as a DVD on um, Amazon. And at the same time that he was releasing it as a DVD on Amazon, he decided uh, three weeks after the release on Amazon, I'm going to release it on iTunes with an aggregator. So he did Amazon on his own with DVD. He did iTunes with an aggregator. Then he said, you know, the thing that. What bothers me the most about releasing on all these platforms is that they own my audience and I'm now doing marketing towards them. So I want to be able to take my film list, my email list, and outside of it being on iTunes and available on DVD, he's like, I want to be able to drive my audience back to me because at the end of the day, I'm building my business. So he's like, I will work with the distributor, I will work with an aggregator, but I will also work for myself as well. So he released it through Dot Studio Pro on his website. And so at the same time that he had it living with an aggregator on iTunes, he worked with the distributor, did the, the Amazon DVDs, and then released it on his website. All of his marketing dollars went back to his website, and then he also launched it on Facebook through Dot Studio Pro as well. So, for him, what he saw was, I need to be able to control my audience, collect my audience information, and be able to truly, at the end of the day, build a business out of my content. So, and that's what he did. He actually saw a 10%, you know, like a 10% conversion rate on his actual You know, all of his marketing, he saw that come back to his website and from his website, he also let people know if you don't want to buy it on my website, you can always buy it on iTunes or you can buy the DVD. So, I mean, I hope that kind of gives you an idea of like, as a filmmaker, we truly believe you have to be everywhere, but in order to be everywhere, the first place that you should be spending your marketing dollars is on you. You shouldn't be spending it on iTunes. You shouldn't be spending it on Netflix. You shouldn't be spending it on Hulu or any of these other platforms. They're going to do their own marketing. But you want to be able to build a repeat customer base because that's your actual film business that you're building for yourself. So Dot Studio Pro, on one hand, became his kind of – that was his hub where his content lived for him to do his marketing. And from that dashboard, he had it live inside of Facebook and his website. And then after he launched it through Dot Studio Pro with that – he ended up getting picked up for distribution worldwide with Paramount. So he'd already released it online digitally, and then Paramount picked him up for a worldwide distribution. What he did with Paramount is he said, I want to retain my technical IP, which is my website, so I can continue to sell. And I can continue to sell anywhere that my video player lives. So what .studio Pro did as the next step is .studio Pro then gave him the ability to syndicate to some of the partners who were also using our technology that he can now have his content live on their websites and on their applications, but in essence, still his player. So he's not infringing on his actual distribution um, agreement. Makes sense.
0: I think so. So the 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 pros are the, or the the pros going with like a Dot Studio Pro as opposed to an independent filmmaker uh, paying an aggregator to get onto iTunes um, and also or going directly to like Amazon um um Video Direct now or, or using Space to sell their their DVD or putting it on to now Amazon um you know video online so that they could sell that way if they built their own website and you know they had um and they had like an email sign up um and then if they built their own Facebook page with the same and you know taking like a Mailchimp or a, um um, you know, plug in that puts it into, um, Facebook that allows them to collect emails and, and promote their, their content. Um, where the, the pros that I'm hearing with dot studio pro is that do you automate the system a little easier for uh, a, a less tech savvy, independent filmmakers that don't know how to build their own website with email sign up? Yeah. Is that, yeah.
1: So let's, So a creator comes to Dot .studio Pro, they upload their content, they put in their metadata, they set their pricing, they also have the ability to serve advertising versus setting a paywall, they also have the ability to do pre-sale versus video on demand, so they set all that information, they also have the ability to do geo-blocking if they need to do geo-blocking, so that they can stay within their distribution rights if they, you know, have distributors working with them in certain territories or or blocked. And then from there, the next step is that they have the ability to go to our channel section and they can create a channel, which in essence is microsite. So instead of going out and building a full-blown website, if you don't want to build a website, you can actually launch a microsite channel that is live online so that you can drive your audience to it. That microsite channel also, with a two clicks of a button from that section, you can launch it if you have an existing Facebook fan page through the admin of it. You also can launch that content directly inside the Facebook. I so see. a custom tab in Facebook, where the same content that lives as a microsite online can also live inside of Facebook. And then, within that page, there's lots of little things that you can do. Like, you can, you know, we have a couple of custom tabs, so, you know, a lot of our uh, filmmakers work with us, and we'll do customizations on those pages, so they can add things like widgets um, for capturing email information. We also, as soon as the user makes a purchase, you're actually collecting that user's email. If they sign in through Facebook to make the purchase versus email, you're collecting the Facebook information, and that's all going back into the dashboard that you launched that content from. So it's an exportable Excel where you have all of your customer purchases, Contact information,
0: and if they logged in through Facebook, you have Facebook information for them as well. Oh, interesting! Nice, and um, and all the other benefit, the other pro would be that you've built this sort of network already, since you're already partnering with, like you said, you had to pay the bills by working with, like sometimes the enterprise level, like or mid yeah. le- mid level enterprise, which has like uh, multiple um, uh, content, uh, and so I could see like from that standpoint. Where they use like an interface like yours, like Dot Studio Pro, to just have better management of just the like number of titles they have to deal with. And if I'm guessing correctly, an independent coming into Dot Studio Pro and they're doing well on their own, or they're they're getting buzz, um, like you said, they could be introduced or be put onto some of these other networks. So you've created like a mark a little a, mi- a marketplace that has. Um, could be like a farm league to like the bigger leagues and things like that. If I understand correctly,
1: yeah. So I mean, if you look at it, you have to be everywhere. So you're still going to want your aggregator. You're still going to want your distributor in some cases, unless you don't even want to go that route. But you also then can use Dot Studio Pro, and Dot Studio Pro can live in your website. It can be its own microsite. It can live inside of your Facebook fan page. You can also syndicate to network partners within the within the platform who have apps. And channels on iOS, Roku, Apple TV, and Android, and you're still in control of your asset. So while you have all these co- what we call consignment models, like the Netflixes and the you know Amazon and all of those places where you're hoping that you get reporting and you're you know you're making whatever money you make with them, you also have your Dot Studio Pro dashboard where you can expand that reach through network partners into your Facebook into your website and the one other cool thing I didn't talk about was that that same microsite channel that can live online or can go inside of your website can also go inside of Facebook. If you have other partners who want to take a designed version of that microsite channel you can actually create additional channels put the movie inside of there for let's say you have an online publisher who wants to promote the movie and wants their own environment Or you have a cast member who's like, look, I have my own audience and I want to keep my authentic voice with my audience. You can create a microsite channel for that partner as well and give that to them and they can market directly to their consumer in a a branded environment that represents them but still connected to your dashboard. We really, as filmmakers ourselves, thought really hard about the fact that it's not just about launching a movie, but it's about marketing it and making sure that you can engage as many partners as you can and arm them with tools that are connected to you that you can track so that you have the best fighting chance.
0: I see. So if – um just, you know, I'm curious, what, what is the – um so if somebody's working – with an aggregator and they get it on iTunes so they um yeah. uh, and this is this is assuming they're not working with a distribution company and they pay a flat fee to the aggregator they they get uh, 70% you know revenue and whatever like iTunes 630 um and if they're utilizing dot studio pro um does dot studio pro also take a percentage of the iTunes sales or only if it comes through yeah. the dashboard okay
1: yeah, anything that comes to the dashboard. So if you have a deal with iTunes, that has nothing to do with us. Your okay. do Whatever revenue share you have with iTunes in your in your aggregator, great. Um, but with Thought .studio Pro, it's literally a 50-cent transaction fee. So whether you're selling your film for $1.99 or $14.99 or $29.99, we take 0.50 cents. So at the end of the day, that's the cost of doing business. There's no cost for the dashboard as a filmmaker. It's a complete rev share. On the other side of that, if a filmmaker wants to now turn their movie on for ad serving because they've exhausted the lifespan of, of video on demand with their content, they now have a 70-30 rev share with, with us on ad serving. And that's, again, where we differ from like the Vimeos, uh, you know, of the world because we truly believe Content should have a long lifespan. It should not just be stuck in the VOD world because after you've done your marketing and people have seen it and the people who are willing to buy it have bought it, if you want to now flip the switch and say, well, now I want to deliver it ad-supported, it's a you know an hour-long movie and I want to be able to put an ad like television every 15 to 20 minutes, um, Hold on. then you have the ability to be able to now Turn it to ad supported and do a 70-30 thirty rev share with
0: us. I see. And what kind of ads are then? Because I understand, like with YouTube, they you know they stick their own ads on there and and calculate it from there. But in the world of Dot Studio Pro, in the in the the channels that you guys offer, what sort of ads then pop up?
1: Yeah. So we work with programmatic ad exchanges. So we so let me explain ad serving because a lot of content creators have no idea what ad serving is and how it works. So it's never. It's, it's somewhat the related to the content. So when you put your metadata in against your videos, that's information that automatically gets passed back to advertisers in real time so that they can identify what kind of content it is and so that they know if that's something they want to bid against and add against because everything happens in real time. The other thing that happens is as soon as I say, I come to your movie and I click on your movie to watch it, there are cookies in my computer that are collected through when I go shopping. So if you're shopping with Toyota, if you're shopping with Best Buy, whatever you're shopping, cookies are being dropped in your computer. So that information along with the video metadata gets sent back in real time to the advertiser and then the advertisers are bidding in real time against the end user's eyeball. So that's how advertising gets served. So it's not, it's not like, oh, I don't, I don't want certain things against my content totally understand but in the programmatic ad world it's all based on the end user it's going to be you know how you when you're searching online you see advertisements that pop up and you're like how do they know that i was just looking at toyota it's it's retargeting so the advertising is always going to be based on the end user preferences and the metadata that's being passed back by your video so that's how the relevant and appropriate ad is going to be delivered
0: so how do you guys um, go about the curation, or do you accept is a free for all? You accept anybody come on, but how do you guys maintain so that the uh, if somebody's stopping by Dot Studio Pro and they look at the content that is being released, I- is there a filter or a um, like accepting like uh, a quality because you know?
1: So yeah, let's talk to you about that. So Dot Studio Pro is a technology. So my spotlight is the independent version of Netflix. We as content creators who built technology saw that as individual creators, not only do our creators need syndication opportunities, but they also needed a platform where they could be represented in a Netflix-like environment. So that they could market their content to their end consumers beyond it being on other people's networks. So we created my My Spotlight, and My Spotlight is aggregated all of the content that is in Dot Studio Pro that is premium and has presented it in that environment. And that's the environment that our creative community lives in beyond our syndication deals. So when it comes to curation of content, we are we believe in premium content. So anybody generally who comes to Dot Studio Pro has found us through social means or has heard about us through another filmmaker. So we generally are seeing web series, shorts, feature films, TV, episodic. We're seeing, like, actual premium content. We're not seeing... And even with the YouTubers that are coming to the platform, we're actually seeing premium YouTubers. Like, Black Box TV, they do a lot of, like, awesome work with, like, New Form Digital and Vimeo and Legendary Pictures, you know, Epic Mealtime. Like, we're seeing, like, really awesome creators who are creating value high value content as opposed to the cat chasing dog videos. I see. Makes sense. So yeah, so <laughs> so my
0: spotlight T V but like so did I did I understand correctly that it's not everyone? I mean it's like um it's only, like the only the best it, it, of the best. It, it, it,
1: it, it's basically, so, like, we have a lot of content creators who approach us and they are like, I want to launch my content on my website, and I want to launch it in Facebook, and I want to have partners, and I also want to do syndication. We're like, okay, great. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, and then what's my spotlight? Because we always let everyone know about my spotlight. So they make a choice if they want to be on my spotlight, just like if they want to be on a syndication platform. Mm-hmm. And what we look at is making sure that their content meets the criteria of premium, premium independent, produced content. So they're there's some stuff on the dot studio pro network that doesn't make sense for my spotlight. but may makes, makes sense for someone else in another network. So my spotlight is kind of reserved for that premium creator who the rights of reverted on the movies that they've made, or they have the ability to do distribution on their own. You know, we're looking at things that are actual like visual storytelling. We're looking at content that actually has like a true story behind it that can really represent the independent community.
0: Right, because yeah, because I, was, I was saw like you said, there's like somebody who's built an audience on YouTube. Um, I'm assuming they ha- you know they have millions and millions of views on what they're what they're doing. I could see where maybe they're um, they wanted to expand outside of just the ad revenue and put it onto like my spotlight TV, and you know perhaps get a little bit more direct sales as opposed to, um, you know, just waiting for, uh, Google and YouTube to disseminate the, you know, the low, uh, paying, um, ad revenue sometimes.
1: Yeah. The pennies on the dollar. Yeah. So yeah. Well, let me talk to you a little bit about like YouTube, Facebook, Vimeo, a lot of these platforms, they are the top of your well, not even Vimeo. Let's talk about Facebook and YouTube because a lot of creators are putting their content, have been putting their content on Facebook and, those are the top of your sales funnel. Those are socially where you capture audience because they're large search engines and large platforms with audience. So you always want to do your marketing and marketing inside of those platforms and put up your content where people can discover it. But, how do you convert that audience now, and where are you converting that audience? You need to be able to convert that audience to your owned and operated, which is your Doc studio your owned and operated, which is us giving you Doc Studio Pro. You're able to now have your content live in all the places that you want it to live, where you're able to monetize it. So, You have to use YouTube to put up snippet marketing videos, your trailers. You can use YouTube cards to be able to drive your audience back to watch more of you where you're monetizing them beyond YouTube, because YouTube's recommendation engine, after somebody watches your trailer, they're going to be recommended something else. So while somebody's watching your trailer, you want to make sure you have a YouTube card or you have annotations that are telling people, hey, go check out the movie here. Uh, Facebook. Facebook, we created an integration with Facebook because a lot of your t- creators' time is spent inside of platforms like Facebook where their audience is communicating with them and to drive your audience out of Facebook. You want to be able to drive them into places that you are actually controlling your revenue. Because at the end of the day, you're not really making that much money with, with YouTube, and you're not making any money with Facebook. But they are an integral part of your marketing strategy. They are the top of your sales funnel. And you always have to look at, how am I converting the top of my sales funnel? As a, as a, a filmmaker who now, now has to take on marketing and you know figuring out my revenue, how am I using all of the social platforms to drive awareness, and tell the story that drives people back to me where I can capture their information and they can support me.
0: I see. I see. Okay. And um, now you, there's this contest that you're, this is like in the middle of it or near yeah. the end of it. So what was the, what was the, what was the design of that? Yeah. Uh, what was yeah. the purpose of that and all that kind of stuff?
1: So the thing about my spotlight is we built it as a platform to represent premium creators who didn't have enough content to be on their own applications like iOS, Roku, Android, and Apple TV. That was the start before we even got to network partners. We built my spotlight first. We aggregated all the creators of premium content and we said to them, look, this is your version of Netflix for you to promote your content. And the difference between us, and Netflix is that you are in control of your content. You have a dashboard where you're collecting all your customers' purchases from My Spotlight. You're collecting all of your video views, and you know how well your audience is supporting you. Even though it's in the My Spotlight platform, it's still 100% connected to each creator. So they get detailed reporting. Platforms like Netflix aren't going to give you reporting. They're not even going to let you know who the customers are or who are making the purchases. So what we said was, We looked at, we looked at everything. We were like, imagine if Netflix and YouTube had a baby because creators like YouTube for marketing, creators like Netflix for the premium environment that people can access it everywhere. And it's becoming, it's, it's, it is a brand. So we said, imagine if Netflix and YouTube had a baby, that would be my spotlight, my spotlight is the best of both worlds. You're tracking your customers, you're tracking your performance, and you're in a Netflix-like environment where you can be represented across platforms and devices. So the competition was born out of the idea that, okay, we've got this amazing content, we have to continue to keep building brand awareness, and we have to keep building brand awareness for each and every creator. So if we're going to build brand awareness for each and every creator, it's it's a big job so if we do it all under the roof of my spotlight then we're giving everybody the ability to gain brand recognition so as opposed to us doing a film competition where you know it's it's our website and you know we're collecting all the information my spotlight is allowing each creator who is in the competition to from their dashboard track their audience track the revenue that's being made off of the ads that are being delivered in front of their content or track the sales that are are happening off of their content. There is no other competition like this out there. My spotlight is represented on all of the premium platforms that users, our end users can discover them on. And the creators themselves not only are just getting the recognition of their film. They're actually monetizing while they're in the competition. So there is cash prizes for each of the, for two creators, one in the AVOD, which is ad supported category, and one in the video on demand category. But each and every creator who's working, who's working and collaborating together in this competition is actually generating revenue off of their, off of the views of their content. So Fans aren't only supporting them by watching their content to help them win money, but fans are also supporting them by helping them build a business organically, and people don't even realize it. That's the cool thing about my spotlight. It's actually teaching people about – because we're working with them on marketing and social media and promotion. We're promoting alongside them, and they're monetizing beyond – even before they even get
0: to win anything. I see. So what um you're mentioning that my spotlight TV is like a you know, imagine taking Netflix and YouTube. I uh, definitely from the creator standpoint, um but what about the the person's not a creator, the the fan, the the watcher. The fan, yeah. Um, yeah. I was just saying like You know, I can see why we go to Netflix is because they built over years, they started with DVDs, um, so that they were using premium content to build their business uh, because these are like DVDs, movies, you know, I didn't want to buy, but I would want to rent, you know, as an audience. Uh, YouTube, you know, grew in their in its popularity Our search you know, engine, engine yeah. and you can find mm-hmm. everything you wanted to find uh through that yeah. new, uh, youtube search engine so where does the 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 trajectory of my spotlight tv come in because i could see that right. if you had the same sort of um marketing powerhouse like a netflix but then you offer the creators all this back-end stuff that you know that could be tremendous so w- w- uh what like at what point does you know does like a, a premium content or something that's like a must sees uh you know online viral thing happen that drives people to my spotlight tv uh that introduces a general audience that are not content creators that are not you know they're just fans yeah. like anybody so uh i don't know what what, what kind of discussions or or plans is something for, so independent creators can <laughs> see see where you guys um. are going
1: well, it's really interesting. Um, I can't talk a hundred percent about it yet because there's something really cool in the works right now, which um, may just give my Spotlight all the brand recognition that it needs uh, for end consumers to continue to find it. Um, we obviously are continuing to ramp up on the marketing of my Spotlight. We're creating promotional videos now for my Spotlight, much like you know what you see on HBO or Netflix. Um, you know, we're putting ad dollars into it, creators are promoting it and it's continuing to organically grow and be discovered online because, um, video is so, you know, metadata from video is like at the top of, of the list for Google and and Bing in terms of like indexing. So my spotlight is being indexed quite well on the search engine. So users who are looking for Netflix S content are discovering my spotlight, but, um, yeah, we will be able to talk back with you and we probably will do another podcast in about mm, four weeks, uh, fingers crossed. But yeah, we have some pretty exciting stuff that's um, coming down the pipes for my spotlight. We just can't talk about it yet until um, until we get the, the 100% go-ahead. Uh, but that being said, there is a lot of work being done already with my spotlight in terms of advertising, marketing, and promotion.
0: Okay, okay. And then... Um... Well, that sounds good. What would be interesting is hear where that goes, but you know, it's cuz it's 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 coming down to I, I'm sure your perspective is that uh the pa- uh, there's just there's that saying, I forget the uh, futurist uh, way back in the 60s that or the 40s might have said something like this, but uh you know, we are drowning in information but starving for wisdom. And
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, and it's sort of like the, the the power players in the future would be somebody who's the the, the master curator um, where you know mm-hmm. Netflix might be this uh, curation and then you know obviously creating original content and Amazon as well becoming a major player in that space now too um, but for just the general blowout there trying to figure out like uh, what do I what do I Watch, And so they, ha- they have to go to a trusted source or a trusted blogger or a trusted someone who's doing a very good yeah. job of curing that information. Um, and so I could see that. Yeah, and those are the things yeah. that
1: we're working on. You know, I, I think the difference also between My Spotlight and like uh, Netflix and the rest of them is it's free. It's free for anyone to go and watch content. And if they so choose to buy a creator's film, if it's for sale, they can't. If they just want to watch ad-supported content, they can. And the word-of-mouth recognition that, based on the filmmakers marketing their content, um, is it's really awesome just to see how my spotlight organically is growing and gaining recognition. I mean, think about it. Apple TV just released um, in 2016, Apple TV 4. And they, um, Apple, the Apple TV, the last generation was in. It's in 26 million homes. They're projecting 26 million homes will have the new Apple TV 4 by the end of the year. What they did with Apple TV was revolutionary in the sense that the same way they opened up the iTunes Store, where apps, where app developers could deliver apps. Mm-hmm. And now there's like a sea of applications. The Apple TV, um, they also now Apple TV four opened it up so the developers could build, could deliver channels. So what my Spotlight did was we got in early inside of Apple TV four so that the channel could be discovered because people are starved. They're bored with the Netflix content. They're bored with with you know. Um, Amazon doesn't even have an app inside of Apple TV 4 because of the wars on Apple TV with Apple. Right. So my Spotlight as a little independent has a has a full blown channel inside of Apple TV 4 now and has the ability to be discovered alongside premium networks because Apple TV 4 they built this amazing search engine where everything is indexed. So if somebody searches for an actor's name or a title or a keyword they get a bunch of recommendations so my spotlights creators and all the metadata they've entered and their actors information and their film information that's all searchable on apple tv and it's going to be recommended alongside the brad pitts of the world and the quentin tarantino's of the world because All that metadata is just giving recommendations to users who are searching on Apple TV for new channels.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, Steve Jobs before he passed away said that you know cryptically that he thought he thought that he cracked the uh, TV problem, and uh, this may be the the option because, like you said, it was excellently put. Is you know um, I came from the world of video games as well, so I saw a lot of these. A lot of money put into a massive amount of team producing video games. And then the app market came and a programmer on their weekend create a fart app and make a, you know, sell a million copies, you know, but exactly. the, But this opened up this huge market that never exists before, which was this app yeah. creation market. Now, I was curious, does Dot .studio Pro, because I know that you, I'm glad you brought that up, is that. Uh, Is this something that is an add-on extra service? That is, if uh, an independent producer or creator wanted to create their own app channel for Apple TV, um, do you assist them in that process of creation? Okay.
1: So if they have enough content, let's put it this way. If a creator has a library of content that they think that they have... So I always say to anybody who comes to me and says, I want my own app in the iTunes store and on Apple TV and Roku and Android... I'm like, do you have 100 to 150 titles? Because that's what it takes. You need to make sure there's enough content inside of that application in order for you to have your own branded application. And then it costs money, obviously. But if you don't have that, then I work with our creators and say these are the networks that already have apps in these places and they speak to the same demographic as you. Would you like to look at syndication deals with them beyond what you're doing on your own?
0: That's fantastic. So what is how does Dot .studio Pro, because I'm, I'm assuming that's different than the $0.50 cents per transaction, because uh, if you're dealing with, like, you know, No, syndica- it's the
1: same. If, if a creator does a syndication deal, their syndication deal is they broker a syndication deal. It's a simple contract in platform. They do a syndication deal where they do a rev share with that network now because they wouldn't have been making that money had that network not taken their content. So they do their syndication deal, their revenue share with them, and we just are, you know, we still just take our transaction fee. So it's, it's you're now, re, you're now reaching a larger audience. So you have the ability to make more money, and you broker your, your revenue share with the syndication partner. And Doc Studio Pro is just in the background giving you the ability to deliver that content. And we just take our 50 cent transaction. But you have the ability to make more money now because you have more eyeballs accessing your content.
0: Oh interesting. Okay, okay. As we, you know, wrap up because I know you got to get uh, deal with uh, this competition thing. <laughs> I was wanted to know <laughs> I, 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 actually I was just curious because um my wife works for Rentrack, which is now Comscore. And the mm-hmm. the uses the terminology of VOD, uh, I was curious of um how do you, what's your explanation of like um VOD versus OTT, because I know like in their world, yeah. in their world, the world, which is they have, they have to deal with the metrics in a different way. So it's it, it, when we, and you kind of see it constantly in the, out there in the interweb, uh, sometimes the, the terminology gets sort of bastardized or it gets sort yeah. of misplaced. So I was just curious in terms of Dot .studio Pro's perspective, um, the definition yeah. of VOD and, um, and things like that.
1: So let me break it down for you. Video on demand. Video on demand is transactional in 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 some in some people's minds. So like it, video on demand is pay per view. It's down. It's it's not it's not an electronic sell through. Although some places do do electronic sell through, which is a download. Video on demand is a is a term used for a transactional platform. OTT is a device. Apple TV, Roku. Those are OTT devices, our, our apps, iTunes. I mean, our or iOS, Android, and then you've got um, and then you've got smart TVs. So OTT is the actual device. Video on demand is the actual platform, transactional platform. Does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah, no, I no, I have gone into this. I'm just actually out of my own curiosity. I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to hear what thoughts Studio Pro. Yeah, I mean, had. That's how
1: we look at it. VOD is for us like a client will be like come to us and be like. We want a VOD platform. I'm like, okay. And where do you want it to live? We want it to live on OTT and devices. Okay. So that's how we look at it. So we build a video on demand platform. Some clients come to us and they're like, we want an SVOD platform. I'm like, oh, you want a subscription on demand platform? Okay. Different from VOD because VOD is pay per, pay per view. SVOD is paid to have access to the whole network and AVOD is ad supported. And then all the devices, uh, you know, that they want, they just choose between OTT and the rest of them.
0: Yeah, because I know that in in when they're dealing with these you know cl- clients and stuff like that most of the times the video on demand is really b- based around cable so cable providers and and direct and then and then everything else outside of that is mostly o t. t like you said with the devices um um so even like even like a s. v. o d. on top within the o t. t um you know they have to measure it differently because, like most of the time, mm-hmm. when they're dealing with VOD, it's with cable. So Dot Studio Pro doesn't deal with anything with cable, uh, correct?
1: No, we don't deal with cable. We're literally digital. We're di- part of the digital pipeline going back into the living room. Okay, so, so we are on browser and the rest of them.
0: Browser and OTT. So it's pretty much
1: browser so OTT devices, and uh, we're going into smart TVs in 26- 2017. six, twenty seventeen. We're also Chromecast. Um, enabled, so for mm-hmm. Chromecast as well. Um, but for smart TVs, that's the next step. Um, Apple, I mean, our Amazon Fire, the so Amazon Fire and smart TVs are 2017 initiatives. What we did in 20 in late 2015 through 2016 has been Roku, iOS, Android, and Apple TV, and it's all controlled by one dashboard. So the same dashboard that you're pushing out microsites, syndicating, all, all of that, everything including OTT, devices it's all controlled from one dashboard
0: okay okay so yeah i was just curious thank you (laughs) you're welcome well i think that's about it i think a much better clarity um i can be honest with you like i I didn't quite figure it out like what what like when just reading through the website or looking through it you know because i couldn't tell like well wait a minute is this just a a an interface that a like that i could automatically do on my own like i mean I'll I'll get my metrics from Amazon and so on. I could build my own website. I could throw up you know um, my own trailer and then have uh, all these links to places to buy it directly. You know I could use something like Gumroad. I could use all these different things. And I was just curious of like where the 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 unique selling proposition was in terms of Dot um, Studio Pro. But now you've explained it to me, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see that a little, a little bit, a lot more, a lot clearer than I was when I started.
1: Awesome. Well. If you ever need any other information, or if filmmakers need to get a hold of us, um, info at dotstudiopro uh, dot com is an email to get a hold of us. And uh, we thank you. This was awesome. I think the more people learn about Dot Studio Pro, the better.
0: Okay, we'll do. Well, good luck to you on all the work you got to do in the competition, and and let us know what happens in four weeks if that happens. Uh, You know, like I said, within that time frame, if the whatever the the next big announcement um, that I hinted at (laughs) that that no that I was scratching at that you're like I can't I can't reveal it yet, but let me know.
1: Cool, we will. Thank you so much, Scott.
0: Okay, we'll do. Good luck today.
1: Have a great day. Okay, Bye
0: -bye. bye. And that concludes my interview with Phoenix Gonzalez the COO over at com, And if you like this episode, think about leaving a ratings and review over at iTunes for me. Just go to filmtrooper.com forward slash iTunes, and I'll take you to the page, and you can just leave a ratings review. It definitely helps very much. Thank you so much. And of course, don't go away empty-handed, because if you're stuck trying to make your film right now, then I offer you a free gift over at freegearguide.com. It's an equipment list of everything I use to make a feature film for $500 with no crew. Again, that's at freegearguide.com. Thanks for tuning in, and I will see you next time.
1: Film Trooper. Filmmaking freedom for the independent.